are listening to The Q's Podcast, episode 82. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're choosing The Q's Podcast, where we speak with credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host, Lisa Hograff a senior editor with Q's and Credit Union Management Magazine. In this episode, we focus on direct mail and why and how direct mail can be an effective tool for marketing your credit union's insurance offerings to members. Our guests today are Robert Dudasek, President and CEO, and Michael Brooks, Senior Market Strategy Analyst at Franklin Madison, a Q supplier member based in Franklin, Tennessee, Franklin Madison builds member security by delivering industry-leading insurance products and marketing services through its brand partners. Robert and Michael know a lot about using direct mail effectively. Among other things, in this episode, you'll hear them discuss why credit unions should use direct mail in today's digital world, what demographic groups read direct mail, the answer may surprise you, how direct mail and other service delivery channels, including digital, can work together to build trust with members and get them to take action on your credit union's offerings. Top tips for getting the best possible return on your investment in a direct mail campaign. The show also gets into what's coming up in direct mail as we head into 2020 and beyond. Okay, now let's jump into the conversation and learn more about finding success for your credit union with direct mail. Robert and Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. We're, we're glad to be here and always excited to talk about direct mail. Yeah, hi, Lisa. Good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for being here. Robert, to get us started, I'd like to ask you each a warm-up question, and we'd like to start with, how would you describe your company's philosophy to the Q's Nation, and what do you do as CEO that addresses that philosophy on a daily basis? Great. Thanks for the question. I think that's a great way to start out. Our mission is to build the member financial security, and we do that by offering insurance solutions through our credit union partners. And I think each and every day what we think about are the constituents that we have, uh, both the credit union as well as their members, and how we can serve them best. We do that by sourcing relevant insurance products that meet those financial needs. We develop communication to members in a very straightforward and professional manner about what those products do. And then, of course, at the end, we provide that world-class service to members that, that we believe they should expect. So overall, every day we focus on serving the credit union member, and I think through that, serving the credit union as well. Thank you for that, Robert. Michael, I'm sure you have many duties, but would you please tell our listeners what you spend most of your time doing as Senior Market Strategy Analyst for Franklin Madison? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I've actually I've bounced around Franklin Madison quite a bit, and recently I've joined the client reporting and analytics team. But a lot of my duties from, from my last role really have translated into this new one. Um, but first and foremost, I do a lot of the um, monitoring of how our, our campaigns are doing and performing. I keep in contact directly with our, um, our our financial partners to make sure that they're informed with how their marketing um, campaigns are, are performing and making sure that Everybody's kind of on the same page, as well as, you know, internal stuff. I, I support our sales team, making sure that, you know, if I can help out in any of the prospecting efforts and creating collateral or, or supporting them in any way that I can, I'm doing so. So that's really my responsibilities here at Franklin Madison. 
Awesome. And that helps me connect how an insurance company is going to tackle the topic of direct mail. <laughs> so super. Um, what's the number one best reason for credit unions to use direct mail in today's digital world? This is Robert. I think coming up with one, only one reason is really hard. I think there's a lot of good reasons. But if I were to put it in one category, I would say member engagement. When you think about physical mail, it creates a type of engagement that is uniquely uh, different than what a member would experience through digital. It's something that's that's tangible. It's tactile. It's something they can hold. It's something that stands out. Uh, and, and it's just such a great way to reinforce that brand loyalty. They see the logo in a form that they that they can recognize. Uh, and I think a high, high percentage of members actually read their mail every day compared to email. And that's what makes it such an effective channel. I read my mail every day. But then I'm a magazine editor. You would expect me to like <laughs> That's right. And bond paper. So what is the most engaging piece of direct mail that you've seen? And what did you like so much about it? Uh, I'll, I'll respond to that first. I think, uh, you know, anything that's personalized or relevant to me uh, really stands out. I'm, I'm biased. I think the direct mail that we produce is some of the best that I've ever seen. But I think anything that has that very straightforward relevant, something that's leveraging a brand affinity, something that's professional, something that respects who I am as a as a member of the affinity group that I'm a part of. And honestly, something that gets right to the point. I do read every piece of mail that comes in, as you'd expect someone being in the, the direct mail industry to be. And uh, I don't like to be insulted. I like to have something that tells me right away why they're reaching out to me and how do I take action on that. I think, um, you know, being in this industry for a little while, I've, I've started to I, you know, adopt an eye for the, the mail um, that's coming to my front door. And things that I really, that stand out to me is, is when a financial institution or a company that's giving me a direct mail piece follows it up with a digital strategy as well. So if I see something come through my front door and it's, it's something that's tailored to me, is personalized to me, is, is something that's relevant that I would be interested in. And then they also follow up that messaging with something that keeps me in tune and is consistent with that messaging in the digital space, I really appreciate that as well. Indeed. If I can interject a personal story, we recently revamped all of our personal insurance because I got a piece of direct mail that suggested that as part of my Northwestern alumni group, I could get a, a good opportunity. And that worked out splendidly for us. Uh, let's Great. see. Yeah, right. Go, go, go wildcats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me about a successful direct mail campaign you helped a credit union field. What results did you get? What about the planning process for that campaign do you think contributed to its success? What about the creative process for that campaign do you think helped it succeed? Well, that's a, that's a large question, and I'll, I'll try to answer in the best way I can. Um, especially in my role, I do a lot of the back-end monitoring of how our campaigns do. I'm not directly involved in kind of our planning process, our scheduling, um, our creative um, process. Because I'm on the back-end and I can, I can see how our campaigns do, I, I can tell that when there are changes to our processes in the, on the front-end, I can see those affect our results on the back end. Um, and so, you know, here at Franklin Madison, I think that we have a really great team of experts in our creative teams, on our, our modeling teams, and, and making sure that we're using data that would really be relevant for us to use. We have experts on and here in Franklin Madison that have been with the company for 10, 20, 30 years, and, and they really have it down, um, this industry down on, on the best strategies and techniques to use. And so when I see 
financial institutions have their own input. It's not a bad thing, and, and sometimes we love taking that input. But when we stray too far away from what we know works, our consistent processes and our strategies that are time-tested and proven, that's really when I see kind of our results start to go away from what we would expect and, 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 turns, and, and turn into a different direction. So I think that the overall process of, of making sure that when you're starting to you know roll out a direct mail campaign, um, you really stick to the good advice that you can get and um, the time-tested strategies that, that are available to you if they are available to you. I think that's a, a good way to approach it. So I've already confessed that as a print magazine editor, I am someone who goes to the mailbox every day and excitedly gets her mail. In your experience, who is it that reads direct mail besides editors when they receive it from their credit union? Uh, what about people of different generations and how do people of various ages respond to direct mail? So we, we send out millions of pieces of mail each month and have very sophisticated analytics that we attach to the back end of it. So we know not only who we've been able to send mail out to, but who responds. And what I think is really surprising when we look at the data is that we don't see a big difference in engagement across the age ranges and the demographics. Now, they may be responding for different reasons, but if we look at it, about two-thirds of all direct mail is opened, and that's across all segments, uh, which is, is fairly high when you think about um, you know, the amount of direct mail that we get versus email, I think two-thirds open rate is, uh, which is very high. And what's interesting is that millennials tend to have about the same rate as other generations do. You know, we can ask Michael uh, as our millennial resident expert why that is. But we, we found that 84% of millennials look through their mail on a regular basis, their physical mail. And 64% actually prefer physical mail to digital um, and I think, you know, from my perspective, we have this increasing amount of information that's coming through digital. It's communications about our accounts, it's advertisements, bills, other offers, news updates, all sorts of things. And it feels very transactional and, and almost momentary. I won't name the, uh, the store, but I know I get a coupon every Friday from them and I delete it if I'm not planning on being there in five days because I know I'm going to get another one coming up soon. Again, very transactional. And I think physical mail has the ability to capture attention and maintain it in a way that that digital can't. And that's what really drives, I think, the open rate, even with the millennials. So why do you think millennials are responding so positively to direct mail? Well, as Robert said, I'm, I'll be the resident millennial in the room, so I'll take this question. But I think there's a, a number of factors that play in here. And, and it seems like every time I'm looking at a study that is referring to millennials and how they respond to direct mail, that number of you know, that response rate of and, and those number of millennials that are actually looking and engaging with their mail is continuing to go up. You know, if we think about it, I think there's a stigma around millennials of, you know, they're still young and they're, you know, they're just now entering the marketplace. But in reality, I mean, they're between the age groups of 23 years old and 38 these days. And so when you think of the life stages that those millennials are in, um, you know, they're starting to transition out of their um, out of university or college, and they're starting to get their own homes, and they're becoming the primary mail receiver in their living situation. Um, I think all of those things um, come into play, not to mention, I mean, big buying decisions that they have that are now confronting them in their everyday lives. Where would I get a mortgage loan? Where would I, you know, major decisions that they're making financially are starting to come to their front door. And in my point of view, and I don't know about you, Lisa, but when I'm starting to make those decisions, I like to have something tangible, something that I can trust with a logo that I know I'm, you know, a member of or 
um, with with a brand that I can relate with because I've chosen to relate with that brand. When I when I'm making those big decisions, having those those deliverables to me that I can start with that I trust and I can put in my hands, I think that's a great way for. And I think that's why it's telling that millennials are so responsive. Um, you think of the flip side of that and you think of the digital mediums and the social medias. You know, there's a lot of trust that has to go into those decisions. And I don't think that that's where you start making those major financial decisions. You know, if I was to look at my mailbox right now, my digital mailbox, my email, I probably have a lot of unread emails out there. And I would to, to tackle, to, to go through those. I'd really have to be vigilant on what I'm going to trust. Is this a real source that I want to be um, clicking on? Is this something that I want to take into consideration? As opposed to if I'm looking at something that's coming to my mail mailbox specifically um, at home, then I think I know that it's much easier to make those decisions on what I can trust and what I can't. I had a very wise librarian once say to me when I was doing web research, something to the effect of consider the source and I do that yeah. a lot when I'm online mm-hmm. checking things out. Is this a .gov site? Is this a .edu site? Is this really my credit union site? Whereas if my credit union sends me something in the mail, I never doubt that it's really from my credit union. Exactly. And I think that's exactly the point that I was, I'm trying to make. And I think that's a huge part of why millennials are, are becoming more and more responsive the more I read into it. So I gave you my example earlier of getting something from the Northwestern Alumni Association that made me take action on my personal insurance. Do you think the fact that credit union customers are actually members aids their interest in reading direct mail from their own credit union? I do. I I really do. And I think when you establish your customer base as members of your institution, I think there's a uh, relationship that's started right there and then on on a good note. Um, I think when you establish that membership relationship, you know, you are communicating without having to communicate that anything that we're sending you or trying to communicate with you is going to be something that's valuable for you. Um, we're not here to, you know, credit unions aren't there to waste your time. They're, they're making sure that you feel valued as a member and every decision that they make is making sure that their membership feels valued. Um, and, and a lar- large part of that is making sure that the communications that happen um, are something that would be valuable for both parties to be involved in. Would you consider direct mail part of a credit union's omni-channel approach for delivering information or even services, sort of like branch ATM, account statements, mobile alerts? D- definitely. You know, we talk a lot about direct mail comparing it to digital and the effectiveness. <clears throat> but honestly, I think the two channels and actually really all of the channels work really well when implemented together. You know, the members do receive information in different ways. They like to learn about things in different ways. It could be a situation where through the use of an ATM, a member understands that there's a home equity offer that's out there. Uh, That may be reinforced through uh, an email marketing campaign. Uh, And then when the direct mail comes, it creates that actionable engagement that the member does. And and that actual engagement may drive them back to the web or to to a local branch. Uh, and I think it's the effective use of all of those channels that makes each one of the individual channels that much more effective as well. Kind of like direct mail pushed me to pick up the phone, change my insurance right. situation. <laughs> Keep coming back to that, but it fits so well. Correct. So, so thanks for sharing all this uh, knowledge. How can you make sure direct mail is backed up properly? So you send out this mail and you encourage someone to call or come to the branch or take action. How do you make sure you're ready to receive that? 
I think the, the key in omni-channel is making sure that there's a consistency in the message and the offer. The consistency reinforces the message, it reinforces uh, you know, the, the offer that's out there that you're trying to communicate, and that's going to lead to that increased engagement. Um, if you look at the counter to that, if there's mixed messages that are coming through, either in um, the offer that's made or the details of that offer, it really creates some confusion, some disappointment, and ultimately really a lack of trust that they're getting the best deal through one channel or another. You know, you think about something where there's a certain price if you're on the uh, – you get an email with something and it has a certain price and you click through to the merchant site and the price is different or the terms are different. You lose trust, you lose engagement, and you ignore the offer. And so that consistency across all channels is probably the most important thing to make sure that it's effective. It kind of sounds like there could be some staff training involved there, too, making sure all the people that are following through on the process know the same things. Is, is that true? That's very true. That's, that's an excellent point, whether it's the uh, individual tellers or representatives that are serving the members, the call center individuals. Um, everyone should be aware of what the members are receiving so that, um, you know, there's a, a continuation of the confidence of what they're receiving can be trusted. Uh, we do that with all of our mail campaigns. When we send out uh, insurance offers through our credit unions to their members, you know, our call centers understand and know what's being sent to the members. So if they call in, they can be able to respond appropriately and consistently. So you guys offer the whole package. You'll help create the campaign and then support the campaign. Yes? That, that's correct. Yeah. Cool. So what are your top tips for credit unions that want to get the best return on investment from a direct mail campaign? So I think the key to any direct mail campaign is to get that engagement. It's really all about making sure the customer uh, opens the envelope and reads what's inside. Just as they do with the emails, you have a very short attention span. While it's a little bit longer with direct mail, it's a very short attention span before they're going to recycle it. And so we find there's some some key elements to for success that make direct mail most effective. And then that is you have to communicate four basic things right away. You know, what is this? Why do I care or, or what's in it for me? How much does it cost? And what do I do next? So those are the four key elements. And you'll want to be professional and not gimmicky. It doesn't mean you have to avoid being promotional, but you want to make sure that you're doing it with the, that respects the relationship that you have with that member. You know, using that home equity example that I had before, for example, if a credit union were engaging in a home equity campaign, you'd want to make sure the member knew right away that your credit union has a special on home equity loans. You know, what is this? You know, why do I care what's in it to me? Well, now's a great time to consider getting a home equity loan or refinancing that home equity loan. You know, how much does it cost? The more specific you can be, you know, the rates are the lowest they've been, as low as 2.9%. And then the key and most important thing that I see with, on direct mail that's not effective is the what's, what do I do next? You know, how do you create that engagement? And so what you want to do is tell the member, you know, how, how do I take advantage of this offer? And that is go online and there's special URL. Here's a phone number. Here's what we do. Go into our branch, but not just go into our branch. Go into our branch and ask for the fall home equity line special. Again, creating that consistency across the channel. Um, I think those are really the, the, the key elements in, in any campaign and for any product is making sure that you're being as direct and as transparent with the member as possible. Super. Would you mind reiterating those four steps again so we have them in a tight bundle? Of course. You know, the first one is what is this? 
So the first thing you want the, the, the member to know is why are you talking to them? Two is the why do I care or what's in it for me? Uh, that's what creates that personalization and relevancy. Third is how much does it cost? And the fourth is what do I do next? Wonderful. A four-step how to get your best return on a direct mail campaign investment. Super. Correct. Correct. So what are some ways do you think that credit unions can combine direct mail with a digital campaign? You know, I think that's a good question. And I think the jury is still kind of out on, on whether, you know, leading with digital and then following up with direct is the best strategy for that or leading with direct and following up with digital. Um, you know, this is a relatively new industry with combining those those strategies. And as, you know, digital has evolved, there's been a lot of creative ways that we're seeing every day. Um, we're seeing direct and digital be combined as strategies. But I think the bottom line is, by using both of them together, um, kind of as a synergy, synergy, um, you know, you're getting the best return when they're both combined as opposed to using one on its own. I think that's something that, you know, is really telling and the, and the results are there to show us the data is in front of us that that's kind of, that's been proven. Um, so, you know, and as Robert said, just to reiterate, you know, making sure that when you're using both strategies, you know, your branding, your messaging, um, your timing, all of that's got to be consistent. You know, as soon as you lose consistency within your two strategies, that's when you lose credibility. That's when you lose trust. And that's when you lose the interest of who your audience is. So um, I think there's a lot of creative ways to combine your strategies. And, you know, the jury's still out on, on what's the most effective. But there are some key points there to, to make sure that you follow when you're using, you know, both. It's interesting to me thinking about this after having worked on a podcast this morning about motivation. One of the key points in that discussion was that reminding people they have choices can be very motivating. So if you give people options on how to take action, they may just be more likely to take that action. So that's perhaps a piece of this as well. Mm -hmm. So for credit unions that might just be starting out in direct mail, what are your direct mail 101 advice tidbits? Um, I can I can interject here and, and kind of give my points. And Robert, if you want to feel free to kind of stretch in more detail on these, that'd be great. But um, I think we've covered that you know you don't don't have a one channel strategy. Don't don't approach the um, don't approach your audience with one medium. Um, keep it simple and straightforward. Um, this is not a time to confuse anyone that you're trying to interact with. Um, build a seamless member experience. So meaning, you know, whether they're responding to the digital piece, whether they're, they're responding to the direct mail piece, um, your member always feels like, you know, that experience has been seamless and easy to transition between mediums. Um, and then really test and refine your marketing, making sure that you have the patience and the diligence to Really take your time with your results and understand your membership base, understand your audience and using that data to your advantage and, ma and making sure that, you know, you're using the resources um, that are at your disposal. And then finally, personalization. Um, we've talked about trust a lot and how, you know, members of a credit union really can trust something that they see their, your uh, credit union's brand on. Um, and, and messaging that's been consistent throughout their experience with the credit union. Those are all things that build trust um, and, and making sure uh, a member feels like something is personalized to them while also personalized to the credit union um, can really be important there. 
I think I would just add to that. I, <clears throat> direct mail is a, is a unique and can be an expensive channel, and it really pays to work with somebody who's an expert in, the, in that channel. Um, individuals that might be better at other media, such as radio and television, the way you engage the member is different than you would do through direct mail. Uh, and so I think working with folks that are experts in direct mail gives you the greatest chance of success, too. As someone that helps to publish a four-color monthly magazine on glossy paper, I, I am sensitive to that idea that print is sometimes perceived as costly. On the other hand, the magazine for cues is one of the top membership benefits. That's what our members say they love. So there is a relationship with print that is special and different and worth yep. it at times, done right. We, uh, we, we like to say it's not about the amount of the investment, it's the amount of return you get. Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. so early in your response to the Direct Mail 101 advice, you said something about keeping it simple and straightforward. I wondered if you could elaborate a little bit on that and maybe give me an example of something that might be too complex versus something that would be more appropriate for Direct Mail. So some of the Direct Mail where I've seen it to be less effective um, a lot of there are a lot of components in the envelope, um, sometimes conflicting information that's in the envelope. And while it may seem engaging, uh, you know, some some folks believe that the more you put in, the more engaging the direct mail package is going to be. But the quicker you are going to lose really the interest of the member and for them to kind of have to figure out what is it you're trying to sell me here or tell me about. Um, so I think uh, keeping that simplicity is is really one of the, the most important parts of uh of that successful campaign. Um, I also think that leveraging the relationship and the personalization. Um, you know, one of the reasons members are going to open the direct mail is because they have that relation, that trusted relationship with the credit union and failure to really leverage that in the direct mail piece uh, is going to look, you know, make the, um, the communication look like it's just coming from, from anyone else. Uh, and it's not going to feel very personal or, or valuable to them. So you're kind of leading into my next question, which is awesome. Um, we've kind of touched on now what I would perceive as two potential pitfalls for direct mail. One would be if you make it too hard, too complicated. And one would be is if you fail to take advantage of the personalization you could do to really reach home with the person that's opening the mail. Are there any others that we could bring to light for the Q's Podcast Nation? Pitfalls for direct mail. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's one other one that we we kind of talked about as one of the uh, one of the key important ones, and that's the what's in it for me uh, from the member perspective. Uh, and I have to say, there's a very large retail organization that sells insurance, and I got one of their direct mail pieces, and it was almost insulting because it it talked more about them than it did about me. It was all about why they were great not why this was important to me. And I think it really loses interest very quickly with the members if you're not focused on what their needs are, uh, it, whether it's in the text or the presentation of the materials. So interesting. That also ties really well with the motivation uh, podcast I was working on this morning. Where mm -hmm. She talked about working with employees to motivate them has everything to do with aligning their values with organizational values. So knowing their values and addressing them and, and responding to them. So very cool. I would, I would bet there's a lot of synergies between the, the commentary on developing motivation and developing engagement in direct mail. There's probably a number of topics that cross over. Probably. Yeah. We've already found a couple. <laughs> so what is the best tip you would give a marketing professional at a credit union who is thinking about embracing direct mail? 
I think there's there's three things that I would say. One is leverage the data, understand uh, the members you're reaching and how they respond. Um, data can be really be your friend, uh, not only in understanding what your your members need, um, but understanding the effectiveness of your communication with them. And that Michael mentioned the test and learn. That's really critical uh, to sustaining a profitable direct mail campaign. Every campaign should be a test and it's an evolution that you learn from every campaign to the members on how they respond and what they respond to, um, and that you're continuing to adapt that, that messaging to member preferences. Uh, and the last tip is one that I mentioned before, and that is you know, work with a professional on the data side, on the creative side, on the execution side, someone that can help translate the objectives of the direct mail campaign you know, into a good marketing strategy. Uh, I think that's always uh, important uh, you know, in the end. So here we are in 2019 on the verge of a big number, 2020. The year 2020 is approaching. We just planned the March 2020 issue of Cuse's Magazine. What's next for direct mail in the coming year and beyond? I think that's a really open-ended question, <laughs> and I could be really off base here, but I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Um, I think there's two main, main points here that I'd like to hit, and the first and foremost would be, you know, data is going to drive this, this industry and this practice as far as it wants to go. And we're going to continue to have systems that tell us how to learn and, and learn from our data better as, as we develop in, into the coming years and in 2020. And, you know, we're just going to have better techniques by leveraging that data and, and reaching the audience more effectively that we want to. And then second, you know, there's going to be a continued connection to digital. I think direct mail is now going to be completely intertwined with your digital strategy, and they're not going to be separate standalone strategies at all. They will be um, tied together and, and, and connected uh, as we move into the next year. Very good. Thank you so much to both of you for being here today. Robert, I wondered if we could wrap it up by me asking you if there were a question that you wished I had asked today, something that you would like to answer for the Q's Podcast Nation. I think the, the questions did a great job of giving an overview of the direct mail market and why we think it's so effective. And I was especially uh, happy that we could talk about those four important elements of direct mail. I think if your listeners uh, walked away with anything, it's understanding the four key elements that make direct mail successful and honestly probably make email successful. And that is getting immediately to the member, you know, what is this? Why are you reaching out to me? Why do I care? How much does it cost? And what do I do next? I think with those four elements, it should be the standard for anything that is uh, an outreach to a member, whether it's digital or direct mail. Very good. There you have it, Q's Podcast Nation. Advice for direct mail going into 2020 and beyond. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Michael, for being here today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Q's. Thank you to our guests, Robert Dudasek, President and CEO, and Michael Brooks, Senior Market Strategy Analyst, at Q Supplier member Franklin Madison, a provider of industry-leading insurance products and marketing services, and the sponsor of this show. For more information about how to sponsor an episode of the Q's podcast, please email carrie at qs.org. That's K-A-R-I at C-U-E-S dot org. If you haven't visited cues.org lately, be sure to take a look at our newly redesigned website. On it, you'll be able to use intuitive search features to find learning opportunities about your topics of interest, offerings suitable for your job title, and Q's events slated for a particular place or date. If you're a Q's member, you have access on cues.org 
to invaluable membership benefits that will help you reach your potential. Visit cues.org slash membership to learn more. Cues is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, executives, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Cues can help you realize your potential, visit cues.org today.